0: Today on the Zabecast, has the Nationals run and the Redskins suck at the same time? Forever changed the DNA of the D.C. sports fan base we'll explore. Maybe I'm getting carried away. Is it good for a Major League ump to tweet about buying AR-15 rifles and Civil War? John Rodas, my special guest. All that plus Max Payne for Boeing and their fleet of grounded 737s. Your uncensored extra 35 minutes of me is locked and loaded, so buckle up. And let's go. Here we go. Thursday, October 24th, 2019. Thank you for downloading. Wow, what a night it was last night. Uh, It was white knuckle time. Nationals somehow prevail against a bunch of Apex Predators. And the Houston Astros, they get to Garrett Cole. They make him bleed as if he was actually flesh and blood, not an amazing, unbeatable pitching robot. And, of course, Davey Martinez being aggressive with his relievers, or non-relievers in the case of Patrick Corbin. Good stuff. It's been a fun ride. I, once again, reiterate to everybody, I wish a World Series upon you and your baseball team in your lifetime More than anything I can wish for, it is an absolute hoot. The thought crossed my mind, though, as a native Washingtonian who grew up on the mean streets of McLean, Virginia, a suburb just outside the Washington, D.C. beltway, and as back now and has been back in the D.C. market doing sports talk radio for 20 years now, I have thought, is this a pivotal moment? Is this a threshold moment? in our area's fan allegiances, in our fan interests, where with the Nationals on this run and with the Redskins simultaneously, not just being bad, it's one thing to have a bad season or to be in a down cycle. The Redskins are contemptibly terrible. They are hated by the fans who once loved the Burgundy and gold here in town. The scorn factor for Danny and Bruce has never, ever been higher. And their comical ineptitude and everything has led fans to say, that's it, I can't take it anymore. I'm hesitant to say that we are now becoming a baseball town, or we are a baseball town, because, look, football is still king. And if the Redskins ever did get a little bit good, like, say, just win 11 games once, which, by the way, they haven't done in 28 years. Suck on that and think about it. 28 years since the last 11-win season, which is really nothing that huge. If they get a little bit good again, if Haskins looks like he's the real deal, then things are going to pick up, to be sure. But, man, are the Nationals and the Capitals to a lesser extent in these last three years. They are making serious inroads, not just on the fan allegiances in D.C., but the eyeballs and the wallets of fans and companies that spend their money on entertainment in the sports realm in D.C. It is a nightmare for Dan Snyder, and many of us are saying, good. He deserves everything. Every bit of it as he flounders out there in far suburban Landover, Maryland with a stadium that is a decaying pig and crowds that are, as I call them, the half and half special stadiums, half filled. And those who do come are half fans of the other team. We'll see how it goes from here. Meanwhile, That story about the uh, locker room dust-up between the Astros' assistant general manager and the female reporter for SI and the domestic violence bracelet, that lasted, as I expected, 24 hours. There's a new one that has cropped up, and this one, (laughs) uh, Rob Manfred, call your office. Major League umpire Rob Drake apparently tweeted, quote, I will be buying an AR-15 tomorrow. Because if you impeach my president this way, you will have another civil war. Hashtag MAGA 2020. Civil spelled C-I-V-A-L. Now look, I'm not going to get into whether or not this was wrong per se, or an actual threat per se, or are you, what, you can't support the president? Oh, I get it. I understand it. I'm not saying... It's wrong of him to do this, but as an umpire, it's best you maybe just leave the Twitter alone. We'll see if he disavows it. As of this hour, it's very still new, so we'll see what the further reporting on it is, but it's just not the best look per se, that's all. And if you're going to spell Civil War, spell it right, not Sival but C-I-V-I-L would be a good idea. I wish our politics were less turbulent right now. Be perfectly honest. Not a good time for the body politic of the good old U.S. of A. Joining us now, not only golf instructor to the radio stars like myself, but also a man who instructs A number of Nationals players, knows the Nationals ownership, and more importantly, has coached Little League Baseball for many years thanklessly with his own boys. He is John Ronas, eager to talk about the World Series. What's up, Mr. Ronas?
1: How awesome is this in Washington, D.C.? This is incredible.
0: I mean, I have a 35-inch, 35-ounce Louisville Slugger bulging in my pants all day, every day. It's beyond yeah, it's, good. It's better than I thought it would be, you know and you're more of a baseball fan than I am, but this is so good I am I'm pinching myself
1: you know it's it's wild Tuesday because I grew up in Boston and when I grew up in Boston, the Red Sox were perennial either second place or stunk. And so I never really got to see a World Series until I moved here. What are those
0: what are those years approximately do you remember?
1: Uh, so they were nineteen seventy eight to 1997,
0: so right after the Bucky effing Dent period,
1: sure. then the they went into a October. bit of a
0: yeah. They went into a bit of a slumber as a franchise compared to the Yankees. Yeah,
1: yeah. they stunk. So I know for a while the Yankees were no good either. That's but true. Yeah, it, it, yeah. So it was the Mattingly years were not that great for the Yankees. But anyways, so then the the Red Sox won the World Series. But I'm living here, and I'm now a full fledged Nats fan for all the reasons you know. So I am just so excited and excited for my kids to see their home team. It was great when the Caps got in there, but they're baseball players, so this is a different feeling.
0: Yeah, there is so much to chew on in Game 1, and and the Zabecast is a day behind because tonight's Game 2 finished too late for today's edition of the program, but you can enjoy this one day later. So the first thing I loved the most was the old man, Ryan Zimmerman, just tattooing A Garrett Cole fastball, 417 feet to dead straightaway center. Zimmerman and Soto, both hitting home runs. Zimmerman over 35, Soto under 21. The oldest, youngest split in in World Series history to both hit a home run in the same game.
1: I did not hear that. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, it's one of many little uh, nuggets from the game itself. But also, Zimmerman is playing like he is fully healthy, and twenty five years old again, which is amazing. I think
1: it's a, I think it's a perfect format for him because he is healthy. And he said that, they gave a comment on the telecast last night that he said that he had that fasciitis, and then one day it just snapped. He said, and he said that gave him the relief, and really? since then he's felt great. Yeah, Pla- planner I mean, fasciitis
0: you... in his feet. Yeah, that's Correct. a bitch. It that of plantar started, fasciitis.
1: It's a killer. Mm-hmm. So he said it snapped, which is kind of. I don't know. What does that what mean? You have to do. Well, the, it's that it's that fascia gets so tight, it's pulling away a little bit and inflamed, and it usually hurts in your heel. Like you can't run; it feels like you have a nail in your heel. Right. And I guess it just snapped to the point where it released. I guess is what he's trying huh. to say. And so, not only that, but now in the regular season, you could have eight games in a row, ten games in a row. He's got two games, maximum three, day off. Yeah. So it's a great format for him. They showed that picture of him. He looked like he was 12 in that original <laughs> Nationals uniform. I know.
0: I know. Exactly. The other thing about the game that was, it's so good. It's so interesting to talk about. And I've talked about it all day on Wednesday on the radio is that the play involving Springer's non-home run, the ball that went off the glove of Eaton, is like yep. this Taco Bell triple stuffed gordito taco enchilada because the three layers I see are, number one, why aren't you running hard out of the box? Combined yeah. with Springer defending himself, saying, I want to run up the back of uh, Tucker, so it doesn't matter. Combined with, is there a double standard for Latin players who pimp, like Ronald Acuna Jr., versus guys like Springer or Paul Goldschmidt, who actually had a slower home plate the first time in the postseason on a non-home run than Acuna did. You didn't hear much talk about that. And the third layer is the fact that the StatCast boys are looking at the numbers of exit velocity and launch angle, and they're saying that ball should have gone 394 feet. It fell out of the sky at 377. What the hell? There's a triple layer, layer Gordita to bite into. Where do you want to start? Yeah.
1: Well, let's talk about spin rate. <laughs> so, the You look at these numbers all the time
0: as a golf instructor. from a golf
1: background, yes. the only thing I can, if, it, if you exit with a certain velocity and launch angle, the only other thing that can hold it up, obviously, is wind, but we're in a dome. Um, you never know the air conditioning system. And the other thing is spin rate. So it was just a certain spin rate that, that it didn't, didn't allow it to carry the way it was supposed to, per se. And then... Everything else, look, it's just one of those things, if you're going to be the best at something and win a World Series, you have to do all the little things correctly, and not running out balls, and then saying that you were to run up someone's back, fine, run up their back, be prepared to run up their back, and if you can't, you can't, Um, you know, and, and... the errors and things like that, that happens. It's just, but again, when, it, they're lucky
0: when you would uh, coach little league and you're out of the racket. Now you're out of the game now because yeah. your boys are all grown and through. How did you coach kids to run hard every time out of the box?
1: They would sit if they didn't run hard every wow. single time out of the box. It's simple as that. It's the only way, that you're going to train someone is by limiting their playing time. It's the only thing they want to do. No one's come to practice. No one wants to sit there and bang balls. The fact is, if you don't <laughs> run, you sit. And then you also, while you're sitting, realize if you're really a great player, you're punishing the rest of the team. And no one wants that either, especially so, at a young age.
0: So how come they can't do that at the major league level? Or how come managers don't do that?
1: Because he gave up. Oh, how, why can't they? why why don't they why don't guys obligation. get set?
0: Because they feel the
1: obligation that they're hurting the rest of the team because there's someone who's not better, right. and they're all getting paid. But the fact is, they also feel I think oftentimes that the guys can't learn anymore after a certain age, but less really can be taught. Yeah, I think so.
0: Well, in the case but, of Springer, a he's a pretty good guy who doesn't normally do that. B he sprinted out his first home run which was a bomb to left that had no chance of staying in the park. So yeah. it was like a momentary lapse of, oh, shit, I think I just did something awesome. And he started pogo hopping like Carlton Fisk saying, stay fair, stay fair, stay fair.
1: Yeah, again, the little things. It's Baseball is all about the little things. Nine innings, 27 outs. It's all about the little things.
0: I think life is about the little things, isn't it? Well, you're
1: right. You're right. It's all about details.
0: <laughs> Golf. Football, basketball, All about details. Yep. marriage, raising kids, <laughs> little yes. things matter, don't they? Yeah. So so I'm enjoying the hell out of this ride. You have to be because you have taught uh, the principal and now controlling owner, Mark Lerner, who was the son of Ted, the yep. uh, founding owner, who's just turned 93 years old, I, I believe.
1: Four. 94. I was uh, a great story. I was in the box for game four against the Cardinals. So I was in the owner's box and a a great story about this is, is Ted Lerner, uh, principal Ted Lerner, he's 94 years old. He shares the same birthday as my son, Tommy. And for years I've known that. And I never wished him a happy birthday because I was told by one of his daughters, he never celebrated his birthday after the death of his father because his father died on the same day as his birthday. Oh no. So. I never said happy birthday and, you know, never said, hey, my son has got the same birthday and blah, blah, blah. So we go into the box the other night and there's a cake there that says 94 Lerner, the jersey in the shape of the cake. And I was like, wow, this is interesting. And I talked to Mark and he said, yeah, this is the first time he celebrated his birthday. Um, He kind of wanted to almost kind of flip the curse, I guess, a little bit of it. And in that win, I think that that really probably set him free a little bit and such a great thing for that family. For me anyways, I love that family for them to go and experience a world series, especially him at 94. You know, I hope they win, but you know, even yeah. if they don't, I'm just really happy to see them there. And, on the, and Mark's gone through a ton of stuff over the last two years, losing his leg. So I, I'm happy for him.
0: Yeah. And it was on the night that they clinched the, uh, AL or the NLCS. He turned 94 Correct. years old.
1: Correct. That's a, that's yes. a, they had a little birthday party in the suite that I was sitting in and it was just it was magnificent. It was just it was a great night.
0: So are your are your boys into the series? Are they watching baseball or they
1: are. They're you know, it's a different world because it's, you know, poke your head in mm-hmm. wow, and then poke your head out. So it's not like me who's sitting and watching every pitch. Right. But they are they're interested. My uh my my older son who who is uh, still playing uh, my younger son who's still playing um He's more interested, but this generation doesn't sit and watch every pitch.
0: That's weird. weird. And, and Which you're, is sad. I, and you've done everything you can to make him be a kid that sits and watches every pitch. He plays yeah. baseball.
1: Correct. And I said, why don't you watch this guy at bat? Why don't you watch this guy play second base for a couple innings? And maybe he'll do that. But the fact is, is quickly after that, a full nine inning game for this generation is almost non existent.
0: It's tough. And the pacing of the game has got to pick up. Yep. And replay slows it down. And, you know, pitching changes slow it down. People look at me like I'm insane when I say that they should have literally a 30 second clock on pitching changes and no warm up pitches out of the bullpen. That's why they put a regulation mound in the bullpen to warm up in.
1: Yeah, I believe there's there's some rule changes supposed to go in place where you have to face three consecutive batters or something like that that they're experimenting with and,
0: and I'm be- yeah, I'm less in favor of that right now. I think that's a more radical step. You're starting to alter the DNA of how the game is strategically played. But I want to be aggressive in all the other stuff. And when people say, Well, that's crazy, the pitcher has to get used to the to the way the rut is in front of the rubber on the real mound, I'm like figure it out on the fly yeah, advantage by
1: the, the mounds are so perfect there is no rut
0: <laughs> it's not it's not like <laughs> so a little where there's a mud like, hole there and you're like yeah, what the back hell is in this are
1: hamlet with a, you know like you're 2 feet underground in that hole right <laughs> right oh, come
0: on. like and people say well that's crazy they've got to warm up on the mound and i say no it's an advantage for the hitter yeah. you you, you know you want to bring in a new pitcher fine you're sacrificing a little bit because there is a bullpen cart that drives the, the pitcher so he's not all winded. Some of these yeah. guys are rather fat tubs of goo or old as dirt like uh, Fernando Rodney at 42. You <laughs> right. literally drive him in it takes 30 seconds. you don't break for commercial and you say play ball.
1: Yeah I would love that I would love that
0: And none of and this none of this sauntering out. the manager saunters out. there's a mound conference. And then he taps his right hand, and then they open the bullpen door. I'm talking speed change, like in NASCAR.
1: (laughs) you're right. (laughs) You're right. And and if he did that, it would help. I will say this. Baseball is a cerebral game, very cerebral. Once you pass over that. uh, It doesn't
0: need to be slow, though, Johnny.
1: I agree. I agree. There's no question about it. But it's you get more out of it when you're thinking through it a little bit more.
0: Well, that's true. I'm
1: with you. Look, this generation—it's all about the microwave generation. So I'm with you. Anything that would help speed up these games to make them more exciting. There's a reason the NFL is the top dog, and that's because it's bursts of energy, and these kids love it. And that's the way it is. And even the NBA now.
0: Mybookie.ag. Now, listen, if you want to maybe bet a little bit and win big, try some parlays. They're kind of hard to hit, but they're fun to play, right? Who are your favorite hitters? Give me your two favorite hitters or players on the Nats, and your two favorite hitters or players on the Astros. We'll leave the pitchers out of it for now. Yeah,
1: and I, I want to compare
0: notes with you as to who you like and why.
1: Yeah, I love um, I love Rendon and, and um, Soto as far as hitters go for the Nats, and the, the reason being are both of them are incredibly disciplined, low miss hitters so mm-hmm. they swing and miss very infrequently um they're different guys both of them still well uh, honestly their stats except for average were almost identical as far as power goes their rbi total rendo was a little bit higher but their home run total was almost identical um soto can probably hit the ball to the opposite field a little bit further but they're both just in, it's such a freak show to hit a baseball i know that to watch these guys rarely strike out and then also the the best guessers of pitchers I've ever seen. Um, it's incredible to me. It really is. And on the other side, really, I don't I don't know as many of the other guys, but Altuve is a complete freak show. <laughs> right. I mean, he's five two, and, and he's five four technically. Yeah, it's home runs, and he again is a very very low swinging this guy. And yeah. those are the kind of guys that I really admire because. What happens is when I'm watching a game, the biggest thing I'm watching for is pitch count. It's nonstop in my mind. So when you have Scherzer last night with high pitch count at bats over and over because guys are fouling them off, getting the full counts, and then if half of them win that battle, it's another guy coming in for six, eight, nine more pitches. The pitcher has no chance of getting through five, six innings. Yeah. So that those batters on a team who can foul off the outside corner and get four more pitches out of that pitcher. Yeah, they are priceless.
0: Yeah, he uh, he went to uh, full count nine times, I believe, in his yeah. five and a third or five innings. It was totally pitched. It was crazy. Yep,
1: and, and he, he was afraid to throw strikes
0: because
1: because they're great hitters. But you know what? They're <laughs> not that great. They're they're home run hitters, but they're not the, the in the playoffs. They haven't been that great as far as their offense goes I don't ahead. know goes.
0: they scare the shit out of me Bregman oh, sca- I see I like okay for the Nats my two favorite guys in terms of position players are Turner because he looks like your paper oh. boy I call him yeah. the world's fastest paper boy I love him and then I also I, I kind of like Robles because he's this young guy who's coming on who we've known about in the system for some time and he's not fully bloomed just yet like Soto mm-hmm. has but I believe mm-hmm. he is going to
1: and I agree with you, I love Turner, love Turner, a play setter like Turner with power is really throws you back to the Ricky Henderson days, as far as I'm concerned. And then right. um, Robles is just not disciplined quite enough at the plate. So he gets a lot of strikeouts and a lot of pop ups. Yeah. And you need ground balls to advance runners. And so a pop up just doesn't quite do it. And of course, a strikeout doesn't. So. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I need guys to put the ball on the ground to the opposite side to advance a guy from second to
0: third. As far as the Astros go, it's Altuve and Bregman that I just, I can't hate yeah. them as players. And to me, they're amazing to watch because they're very different in how they approach at bats, but they're both very good. And I'm now so into watching everybody's little batting stance quirks, oh, you know, I mean, Bregman, and, you know, Bregman is there. He's straight up and down. He looks like he's wound real tight. He's got a tiny little waggle of his bat, and that's it. Yeah. Meanwhile, Altuve is a foot and a half off of the chalk where it looks like he can't reach the outside part of the plate. But guess what? He can and he will just ask Araldus Chapman.
1: And you know what's interesting is Soto has his almost nervous dance and the sliding yes. back and forth and the scraping. But after he faced who for the Cardinals, I can't remember. They got a little bit ticked off Madison or Matt. I can't remember who it was, but he's, he's kind of quieted that down just a little bit. And I feel that he should continue to do it. What he used to do is he'd scrape the feet back and forth while looking at the picture
0: and grabbing his dick. <laughs> Which Correct. who doesn't want to Correct. do that, right? Correct. It was it was it was Mike Michaelis for yes. the Cardinals or Michaelis,
1: yeah. and, and he's Mick Michaelis, Mike
0: Michaelis, whatever. Yeah.
1: And you you know who I think he was more bowing to is uh, uh, the catcher. Uh,
0: oh, uh, uh, Molina.
1: Yeah, I think it was more <laughs> bowing to him because I think Molina might have you know chirped up and said something. But the fact is that is a juvenile, exuberant move. That he's like, I got you, I got you, I got you. I'm staring right at you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he's you know what? And down a little bit.
0: And you know what? We're we're saying this because he's on our team. <laughs> if he we was would on, we'd hate him. <laughs> we'd hate his guts. We relate. would hate what him. Yeah. Uh, yep. The other the other thing I like watching for, uh, because you and I as golf nerds, you as an instructor, look at this stuff all the time. Is I marvel at the body mechanics in both the motions of the hitters as well as the pitchers. And so mm-hmm. when I watch, when I was watching Chapman throw, I am just mesmerized by the unbelievable lower body engine that yeah. that big dude has and the way he winds up and delivers and that that power plant of velocity coming from the ground up is amazing to watch.
1: Yeah. And you watched Strasburg tonight. Strasburg's got huge legs and a huge ass and that's where all that power comes from. And it looks easy, way easier than it looks when Scherzer throws the ball. Right, And he is just magnificent to watch. He's a third, but he's the closest I've seen to Nolan Ryan in a long, long time.
0: Oh yeah. Nolan Ryan was amazing as well.
1: Oh so, my God.
0: So any, uh, any non baseball thoughts while I got you on the blower here in advance of game number two of the world series?
1: Non baseball, uh, no. I mean, obviously, uh, I'm looking in my email every single day to see if I get the uh, the uh, invite invitation to one of these games coming up. Um, you don't so have a ticket for a game yet. No, I, I, I. Because uh, wait, you're I you're ask.
0: you're only gonna roll with the owners. Correct. Uh, <laughs> Correct. And you're not gonna you're not gonna beg. You want that invite to come unsolicited.
1: It, it happens. I, I have to say it. It's, it's, they're extremely kind to me and it's happened uh, very often. And I don't ask. And I think that's one of the reasons why it just shows up. Well, and um, I'm looking for that. <laughs> I've never but, been to a world series game.
0: And oh, I think man. They know
1: that. And so I'm going to, uh, I'm just going to wait for it. And if not, I'm going to enjoy my, my time watching it on TV and my wife's into it and, I'm moving into a new house, and so I'll probably have a TV on the floor, and I'll be sitting on the floor, and I'll still be cheering.
0: Well, there you go. You'll remember it fondly. Uh, by the way, if you want golf lessons in the D.C. area, nobody better to see than my man, John Ronas, at the Ronas Academy at River Creek in Leesburg. Look up Ronas RonasAcademy.com, uh, or is it Ronas Golf yeah. Academy or Google Ronas search?
1: RonasGolfAcademy.com.
0: The yeah, R O N I S look up river Creek in Leesburg. Yes. It's a private club, but they take outside lessons. And my buddy, uh, cowboy Mike in desperation sent out the bat signal to me saying, does Rona still give lessons? He's the only one that pulled me away from quitting four years ago. And We're going
1: to so, fix him and make him better than ever. He'll be the Steve Austin of river.
0: Creek. Tu- 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 all right, Johnny right. boy, good to talk to you. Enjoy the World Dave, Series. We'll it's talk soon. As
1: always, and go nuts.
0: There you go. All right, John Ronas, who does Capital Golf Gang with me, as you know as well. See, there's been a few people. Most people are like, I like that guy. He's good. A couple of people have been like, Who's this Ronas guy? He sounds real cocky. Listen, you don't know him. Trust me. He is the most humble, down to earth guy. When he says, Yes, I was in the owner's box because I teach. I have taught the learners before. I've given them golf lessons. That is not some sort of, yeah, no biggie, humble brag. That That's just literally John being John. He is not about all that stuff. He's thankful that he gets those invites, but he is not like someone who's peacocking about it. That's for sure. And he doesn't even want to ask him for tickets. I must say, I am very lucky in that I have been, I have been given a ticket, not given, but I'm going to use a ticket. For Friday nights, game number three, at Nats Park. It's the one ideal night for me to go to one of the World Series games. And it sort of came out of the blue. And I got to thank my man, longtime former producer, many moons ago at uh, 980 in D.C. I mean, we're talking literally four, three buildings ago and four different ownership changes of the station ago. Uh, a young hard charging kid by the name of Glenn Eunice was our producer. And it didn't work out. He wanted he wanted something more in life. He wanted something better. He felt he could go ahead and go get it. And so he got out of the business, and I applaud him for doing that. But uh, Glenn went on. He runs Ed Reed's foundation in Baltimore. and he is so close with Ed that he was at Ed's Hall of Fame induction ceremony. In Canton, Ohio. And I just think it's great. And Ed, and uh, Glenn has consistently listened to my afternoon show uh, driving around D.C. and Baltimore. And when he heard that I was so, not begging for tickets for Friday, I just said, if I could go to a game, it would be Friday, and I would pay face value for a ticket, which, you know, it gets up there. It's uh dollars $500 for face value tickets. It would have been... An easy number for me to uh, to pay for a once-in-a-lifetime thing. If you're talking thousands, nah, not so much. Out of the blue, Glenn's like, you know what? I might have a third for Friday. You want to go? I go, shut up. You kidding me? He's like, no, I'm serious. And I said, okay, I'm in. So I'm committed. I'm pot committed. And no, I will not be ailing it at the game on Friday night. It's going to be awesome. Weather's going to be pretty good. Not too cold, thank God for that. Uh, looks like no chance of rain. So away we go. You gotta, gotta take advantage of it because guess what? It could indeed be once in a lifetime. Let's end on this today. I, I'm an aviation nerd. And so these things fascinate me. I'm reading a story here about the Boeing 737 max airplane. You know, the one that nosedived and killed two sets of passengers, some 350 people. And, uh, a faraway part of the globe, couple different places, uh, with you know some cheaper airlines, Lion Air, I believe, was one of them, uh, in Africa. But once these two planes went down, you know, the U.S. government finally swung into action and did what the FAA should have been doing all along. And these many months later, the Boeing 737 Max airplane is still not flying, and this story in oh boy, I should have clicked the link to it, but I think it's in uh, some financial magazine, talks about the state of where Boeing is with this. And here's what they wrote about it. Like many of its corporate contemporaries, Boeing's institutional culture has come to, wait for it, prize financialization, profits, cost reductions, and corner cutting. (gasps) What? What? Really? Nah. Big company making tons of money? That wants to make more tons of money? The 737 MAX was meant to be Boeing's newest answer to competition from the European manufacturer Airbus, but Boeing also wanted the 737 MAX to technically remain a mere update of its earlier model airliners so as to avoid the expensive and time-consuming regulatory rigmarole associated with rolling out an entirely new aircraft. In other words, cheap. To gain improvements in size and fuel efficiency without crossing that threshold, Boeing had to design the plane with its advanced and heavier engines in an oddball spot on the plane. This caused the plane to perform in strange manners. To correct for that, Boeing introduced something called the MCAS, or Maneuvering Characteristics Augmentation System. What did this do? Well, it automatically adjusted the plane to cancel out the performance oddity without having to bother the pilot. Already, this is making me nervous, don't you think? So yeah, the plane's not balanced. But don't worry, we've got this software in the background that will fix it, and the pilot doesn't need to know. What could possibly go wrong? Boeing considered the MCAS such an innocuous addition that the company didn't even include it in the literature for the pilots. Think about that for a second. So in other words, there's something that could start jerking the plane around, start trimming your ailerons, and changing how your plane is flying in the background without you doing anything, and we're, we don't need to know about it. Just don't worry about it. But the production process was under immense pressure. They're like, we got to get this out. So a lot of the MCAS software was outsourced to cheap labor overseas. And there were also at least two design changes that to this day, no one could explain the logic for. One, the MCAS did not require agreement between two different sensory systems to function. So that's number one. Number two is the automatic corrections were both extremely powerful and would repeat endlessly. Holy shit. So yeah, so a plane's out of trim, it's out of balance, or you got an air sensor that's not reading correctly. And the software in the background goes dive, dive, dive and starts pushing the nose of the plane down repeatedly without letting you know, without saying, do you want this to happen without any literature? Like by the way, if your plane starts to dive weird, then go ahead and, uh, you know, do this, that, or the other. No idea. And it gets even worse because the FAA, you know, Federal Aviation Administration, entity supposed to overs- oversee all of this nonsense. And by nonsense, I mean the matter of life and death for the flying public. Like, do these planes really fly right? Have you checked them out? Is this company legit? The FAA's oversight of the process was compromised Significantly, Why? Because the agency lacked much in-house expertise to scrutinize Boeing's design. Think about that. Our government that takes all this money in from us taxation-wise, they didn't have enough experts on the same level as Boeing's experts to go, so, the fuck you got here? What kind of plane is this? Huh? 737 MAX, huh? What's in it? Oh, an MCAS. The fuck is that? No, they didn't have that, so they outsourced that. FAA outsourced and let the company itself, let Boeing and their engineers sort of fill out the paperwork, so to speak, on the certification process of, yep, plane's good to go. Light it up. Of course, all this was done under immense pressure. This plane is late. This plane is over budget. Let's go. Let's get it out. Let's cut costs. Boeing did not properly inform the FAA about MCAS. Yeah, they don't need to know. Including some changes made to the system midway through the process. It was more or less a perfect example of a philosophy that sees government's two greatest duties as minimizing its own spending and footprint while essentially acting as a handmaiden to business efforts. That Those six paragraphs, or thereabouts, or four, five, six paragraphs... That is the best miniature lesson in how life really works, and especially in a capitalistic society that, while better than all the other systems out there to live under, is still at times severely flawed and outright fucking crazy. Okay. Enough baseball and airplane nerdery from me today. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for the somewhat shorter Cast this week. Why? Look at the week has flown by. Tomorrow is Friday on the Cast. How about that? Football five ways Friday. I will stay up late and give you a recap of Kirk versus the Redskins. We'll see how that one goes. We'll have all the usual fun and frivolity. Mr. X will join me. We'll talk more about gambling lessons because Mr. X is like, you know, you're killing me making me be a tout here. I'm on an ice cold streak. We're going to get that turned around. Don't you worry. But we'll talk some more global strategies on how to gamble on sports and not lose your shirt with Mr. X in football's five-way Friday. And uh, I hope you subscribe. I appreciate those who already do. If not, give it a shot. See if you like it. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the World Series, and we will see you tomorrow. Gambling on football, you say? Well, well, well. If you've done it before, you want to get back into it, or you just want another place to reliably play, where you know when you win, you're going to get paid because remember that's the whole deal. Winning is nice, getting paid even nicer. Thank you, Mister X, for the comment. Bottom line is this: my bookie, mybookie.ag. They've been with us now for two seasons. They are a solid book. They pay when you win, and they are very straightforward. Plus, they've got a great array of ways that you can wager on games. An excellent interface, excellent mobile app as well, and great customer service. You know there have been. A small number of hiccups along the way, and people have emailed me directly and said, hey, I had a problem with my bookie. I send one email, boom, off to my rep at my bookie, and the problem is fixed like that. Mybookie.ag. Now listen, if you want to maybe bet a little bit and win big, try some parlays. They're kind of hard to hit, but they're fun to play, right? Join now, and my bookie will double your first deposit.